Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Andre Gazetta! Yay! Yay! And we have got a great episode for you. I'm back on my bullshit! Yay! I'm back from licking a ton of eggs. There you go. Yikes. Uh, it's a great <laughs> episode if you hate racists. Uh, it's an okay episode if you are a racist, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but uh, before we get into it, we have got some news and reviews. <laughs> Uh, the first news is that we've got a Patreon now, and for just $5 a month, you gain access to our bonus show, The Speculation Zone, and you get a shout-out on the show. We also have a bunch of other really fun tiers that you can check out on patreon.com slash cultpodcast. Secondly, we've got a live show coming up! Yay! Yay! Yes. Fest. I'm panicking. <laughs> we'll be at Panic Fest 2020 this year. Uh, you can find tickets to our live show by going to panicfilmfest.com. Uh, we will be on Saturday, January 25th at 2.45 p.m. It's a very early show, so that way you can come, hang out, watch some films, and then possibly see us do stand-up later that night. Yeah, or it also gives us time to hang out with you guys after the show you know, just because I know last time we got to see everybody, but there were other shows and it was late. So oh, this yeah. gives us a little more time. It also makes sure that if you're driving from far away, you'll be able to drive back when it's not so goddamn laid out. Yeah, so. for sure. Uh, and before we get into it, we have another five star review. <laughs> this one comes to us from Blue Haired Weirdo. Uh, and they say, y'all take up all my time. I've Aww. basically stopped listening to music because I spend hours a day listening to y'all. Y'all. 10 out of 10, funniest podcast I've ever listened to. Thank you for feeding into my weird desire to learn about cults while also making me crack up. Love y'all. And they put a heart emoji. Oh, thank you. Oh, we love you too. Oh, blue hair is fun too. <laughs> uh, yeah. So without any further ado, let's get into the episode. Hello. Hello. I think that was the most on pitch we've ever been. That was really good. Guys, we should take this on the road. It sounded off pitch to me, but that's only proof that I'm tone deaf. (laughs) For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits. And as always, these these are are our opinions. opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have Andrea Gazetta. Yay! Yay! And I am am no longer dying of salmonella. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was licking hella eggs, living that oh my reckless God. life. Uh it's Honestly, the sickest I have been since the time I had swine flu. Straight up. Oh, my God. Yeah. Straight up ate out a raw chicken. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> wake up. <laughs> um, it, it was extremely painful. Uh, and yeah, don't do it. Don't, don't get salmonella. Since Paige has been back, the only sentence that she says repeatedly is, hey, whatever you do, don't get salmonella. Like she chose to do it. Uh, We, uh, yeah, 
We, well, I did order the salmonella eggs. I um, should not have done I, that. If Paige had died, she would have come back as a ghost that wrote creepy messages on mirrors that just said, don't get salmonella. Don't, get salmonella. <laughs> don't try the eggs. And uh, it would be on the inner partition of a buffet <laughs> where it's steamy. <laughs> I, I deliberately overcooked meat multiple times yeah. <laughs> where I was like I know this is cooked but just in case I'm gonna put it back in the oven I always love I always love so much when you get so not you but you in the general sense mm. when you get so sick it turns your stomach hateful oh yeah like there was one period of time where I had uh, uh, pasole which is like a Mexican yeah, yeah. soup mm. with a uh, bunch of different shit in it it's really good I had that and then I got sick and so my brain was so upset at how sick I was that my stomach turned racist against Mexican food, where even like this, this, the whiff of like seasoned meat and my stomach was like, nah, we out fam. We can't do this. Here, here's a weird one. So I definitely have not been able to eat eggs since I got sick because I'm pretty sure that's what made yep. me sick. Uh, I also have not had chicken. No, I have had chicken, but not this. I ordered Zanku chicken, which is delicious. And I feel betrayed. I don't think it was the Zanku, but I still can't bring myself to eat it. Uh, But all my body has wanted for like the last three days since I've been able to like eat, eat is Quiznos subs. Ooh. Mmm, yeah, no toasty. Ex- no explanation. Why. Cured meats. Cured meats. Bread, which is very like bready. Mmm, mm. feels good. And yeah. also an underdog story of several thousand closed stores. I know you have to find a quiz. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's like the Where's Waldo of sandwich places. It's the national treasure of foods. <laughs> You gotta find a map on the back of this document. <laughs> this map is delicious. Old man subways chasing you the whole time, <laughs> trying to stop you. Mm-mm-mm-mm, ghosty. <laughs> what I love is how every time you walk into a Quiznos now, the first thing they say is, oh, thank God. Yeah, their menu is just like, will this work? Like, yeah. that is the Quiznos will serve you anything at this Straight point. Straight up, I always love Quiznos because they had the mini sandwiches, and sometimes I would be like, I'm not really hungry, but if I don't eat something, I'll be a bitch later. I need food, but I want a small amount. And Cousin was like, you want like a $2, just like some chicken in a thing? And I was like, yeah, give me that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now. The Quiznos. You want the shit we were going to throw away? Yeah. <laughs> Do you want clam chowder in a salad for some reason? <laughs> I, I love it. I love that service. Because you walk into a Quiznos and they look at you like, the chosen one. Jake and I's first date was at a Quiznos. <laughs> Shut and the I fuck up. And I chose to go to Quiznos. Our first date would have said a subway. Yeah, oh, oh, shit. Oh, my it God. It sure was. You guys are going to get divorced. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think? I'm some kind of Jersey Mike's family? <laughs> get out of here. Well. <laughs> oh, my do I've been Cheating on you with Quiznos. No. no! <laughs> Sorry. Damn it. Quiznos. <laughs> well, uh, I don't have a great segue for regionally famous. I don't know how famous <laughs> Quiznos is. I think it's all over the country. I think it was all over the country. Was. Yeah. R- is R- much the operative dick, word here. Dicks out for Quiznos. <laughs> Quiznos used to be all over the country, much like racism. Oh, that's pretty good. Uh, that's a good uh, segue into the group that we're covering today. It's a good today. subway. 
So over the last two, did you just say it was a good subway yeah. instead of Segway? <laughs> I did. Oh my fucking God. This is what happens when I'm awake at this hour. You make another joke like that, they're going to find you as a pair of cold meat trios i couldn't we're gonna slice her up cold cuts Come we're gonna on. force you to listen to the episode we tried to record last week <laughs> where i didn't make any jokes i just agreed with everyone Pages. Yes. sleepy fever dreams normally when you do improvised comedy you want to yes and but i've never seen somebody just, just yes. yes just yes no and, and then I there went, were bats coming out of a yes yep. yes mm-hmm. it wasn't even a yeah it was a, uh-huh that's the punchline. <laughs> yep. You sure did it. That sounds great. You said words and it sounded sounds funny. Sounds great. Is this laptop also a pillow? Because I like put my face in it. That's yeah. my impression of Paige. That, that was 100% me. So over the last two years, we've covered a plethora of white supremacist groups. Uh, after the first one, it's pretty easy to accept the propaganda, isolation, and strict rules. They basically line up with our definition of a cult. And for us, it started with the Bundy family's takeover of the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge. Gummy dicks. Gummy dicks. But we also eventually got to the OG group of American haters, the Ku Klux Klan. For all intents and purposes, this group that we're going to talk about today is like the fourth revival of the Klan. This group sits between David Duke's KKK and Richard Spencer's alt-right. This group paved the way for the modern white supremacist groups that we know and hate today, and their story has it all. Fake made-up history bullshit. One of the stupidest slurs in history. Oh, God. And one of the dumbest endings I've ever read in my entire <laughs> life. Yes. <laughs> yep. Today, we're covering... The League of the South. What? <laughs> is this a Pokemon League? <laughs> yeah, this is the, the banned Pokemon anime where Ash catches Pokemon, looks at him and goes, I don't like grass type. Not oh. a big fan. No one I likes gonna, Is this type. like one of those movies? Like, okay, that one where Sean Connery plays that racist safari hunter? <laughs> <laughs> no, wait, that's Extraordinary Gentleman. Got this it. Is, this, this can be summed up as the League of Extraordinarily Racist Gentlemen. Great. Fantastic. Beautiful. So before we hop into it, let's go through our sources. This week, our sources are the article, The Celtic South, as posted on History Today. Good Lord. The article, Code Switch, Word Watch, by Gene Demby. An article in the New York Times, written by Douglas Martin. Several articles as posted on the Southern Poverty Law Center's website. And, of course... Several postings from leagueofthesouth.com. Oh, yes. Is this like one of those Return of the Kings websites where it's just dudes talking to each other like, yeah, that bitch didn't know it was coming. Just like <laughs> like extra bad Reddit. No, it's it's one of those websites that's just like the homepage for the group where they have like all their like you know, news and like links to their Facebook and clothing swap on Friday. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite, one of my favorite things is if you scroll down to the bottom, you'll find out they didn't have enough money to pay for a custom theme. So the theme, <laughs> the maker of the theme is listed on the bottom of their oh, website. That, that poor graphic designer. Oh, yeah. It's definitely just some poor dude like me that was like, this will never get used for anything. <laughs> I guess I'll make this Etsy landing page default set up and then now it's for hate a lot of listings for gently used pointy white hats (laughs) i put these swastikas on here as a suggestion you're supposed to replace them with your own clip art 
<laughs> this these jokes are if you've ever made a website. <laughs> so our story starts with a man named Michael Hill. Now there's not much out there about Michael's early life except that he is through and through a good old Alabama boy. Daggum good old Alabama boy. Mm-hmm. He was born there in 1951. He grew up there his whole life, and he even attended the University of Alabama during the 1970s. And it was here, while studying history, that Michael met two professors that would eventually become his mentors, Professor McWhiney and Professor McDonald, who sound <laughs> like they teach a course on how to ask for a manager in a fast food restaurant. Oh, I, I thought those were made-up names. I thought, as <laughs> well. I thought 100%. the course was going to be about how to make make up convincing fake identities <laughs> and I was going to be like they clearly did not take this course. Lesson one McWhiney. That sound real to you? Ah uh, you fail. You fail. <laughs> McDonald. I don't have a farm. Check it off the list. You shouldn't use it. But I got so many burgers. You want some burgers? <laughs> Professor Whoa. Fake Name and Other Fake Name uh, were two historians who focused on Civil War era America and they took Michael under their wings and taught him the truth about his southern heritage. They have wings as well? What kind of weird... <laughs> Did you ever know you're a white hero? <laughs> you're everything whites would want to be. They're really not. Everyone in this story... <laughs> everyone in this story looks like the uncle your mom tells you not to talk to. Ah, uh, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I'm kidding. He doesn't come to family stuff. Yeah, my uncle Dennis is dead, so same. <laughs> so, about a decade prior to meeting Michael Hill, Professor McWhiney and Professor McDonald, which <laughs> I still can't believe that's their name. Did they do a thesis with their colleague McLovin? <laughs> bow, 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 bow. We're too young for this film. About a decade prior to meeting Michael Hill, the professors had been visiting Scotland and Ireland when they noticed a few similarities between the Celtic people and American Southerners. They were both white. White as fuck. Love potatoes. Wow. Cuss, drink. I mean, they're basically the same people. I mean, yeah. The, the similarities that they noted, here's a few of them. A taste for drinking and gambling. Yeah. A love for loud and rowdy music. Sounds about right. And a fascination with dog racing. I feel like this synopsis is based on Scarlett O'Hara's dad fig in uh, Gone with the Wind. Ooh, weird poll. He's Irish. That's fair. And, and it's does, the South. And it's the South. He's also racist. He's also a tiny man whose tiny little feet don't touch the bottom of the horse. It's real funny. How do they feel about curtains as clothes? <laughs> Uh, it gets a little difficult because at one point they do try to make uh, a confederate flag out of tartan material, which mm. is like kilt material. Is it terrible that I'm like, yeah, that would improve the design. <laughs> but From it's, a design. it's still stars and bars. <laughs> if you like that design, I've got a couple of website designs you might want to <laughs> check out. Oh, no. I just I love tartan in all its forms. So I'm just like, ooh, nope. Still bad. Now I'm just imagining a tartan swastika, and it is funny. <laughs> um, my favorite was they came out a few years ago. Did you see the shirts that were the Confederate flag that instead of stars just said gay pride? Yes. <laughs> I love those. 
They also noticed a lot of familiar last names while they were on their trip, names that they had seen a lot back home. Upon further research, the professors found that Scottish names, uh, surnames anyway, are actually twice as common in the South as they are in the North. Interesting. And all these similarities pointed the two teachers to their conclusion. American Southerners had to be the descendants of the Celtic people from Ireland and Scotland. And their theory did not stop there. Uh, They expanded it to fit within their specific field of expertise. The reason the Civil War era Southerners acted the way they did was because their ancestors had once been the legendary Celtic warriors. You may take our lives, but you will never take our gumbo! (laughs) (laughs) That's nonsense. (laughs) You may take our lives, but you'll never take I guess their lives. I I don't know what what we're fighting for here. Our cracklins! Like any southern food. Our cheese grits! Just... According to the professors, the Celts were said to have an easily offended sense of honor and were prone to violence if they ever felt disrespected. Essentially, just imagine an army full of the bagel boss guy. I mean, I'm familiar with I'm familiar with groundskeeper Willie. Yes. Fuck <laughs> <laughs> you. The shinning. This lack of self-discipline and zero patience led them to take, the Celts is what I'm talking about, led them to take big risks that resulted in big losses in the wars that they fought. And the professors pointed out that the Southerners fighting in the Civil War also showed these same traits. They had an intense loyalty to their leaders, but their lack of efficiency and foresight caused them to take big risks that resulted in big losses, like the Battle of Gettysburg, which is when the South sent Gettysburg a text to be like, you up? And Gettysburg was like, new phone, who dis? (laughs) Big risk, big loss. Big risk. Did they like fund cats like that level (laughs) of big risk? I'm telling you, this cats movie, it's what America wants right now. Digital fur technology jason derulo's cock why do they keep showing this only at anime conventions they don't understand i like that they their gambling is like look i understand what america wants right now they want the movie cats they want jk rowling's opinions no they want no we don't know we're done we have enough of her opinions i don't need anymore i'm so sad and confused about what she's done that's what i'm saying it's just it's 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 dumb Real quick, I feel like you're setting up some really beautiful, meaty foreshadowing in that they're drawing parallels of people that take big risks and make poor choices. Yeah. This <laughs> and is, I cannot wait. This is who they're saying that they're related to. Uh, so, McWhiney and McDonald, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they wrote their findings down in a book that they co-authored called Cracker Culture. <laughs> And while this sounds like a bit, while it sounds like a joke, I have to assure you, it is 100% real. The two professors, they had linked the term cracker to a derogatory term used against Celtic immigrants in the 1800s. It is 
that is not where the term comes from, but it is uh, its popularization in America was used to describe Celtic immigrants. So therefore, they believed it was also their right to reclaim the term cracker and to wear it with a sense of pride. As in, cracker past the sun chips. Yes! Wait till we get to the picnic, cracker. Like that ridiculousness? What's up, my cracker? You want to take all the other crackers and go down to the us barrel? <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to lie. I, I'm, I'm never going to try and reclaim the word cracker because it's too hilarious. It is so dumb. Where I, the, the Okay, so the term cracker comes from whip cracker. The thing is, is cracker is, I read a whole article about I the term. I prefer honky personally. <laughs> Honky's my favorite. It's just so, it's just such a weird choice. Now, right away. I would like to tell you that these two crackers are dumb as hell. (laughs) (laughs) These honkies be tripping. Polly want a piece of me? The Celtic hypothesis, which is what they called their theory. Oh, God. Can be pretty easily disputed with two widely known facts. Firstly, the North and the South were made up of many different types of Europeans. The North had its fair share of both Scottish and Irish immigrants. In fact, the amount of Irish indentured servants that were part of our series on witches is insane it is a lot of them they also at one point made up a huge part of the police force in northern northeastern america yeah so secondly edward baptist in his book the half has never been told explains that the traits the professors attributed to a quote-unquote celtic background are actually just the results of having slaves that is it. The only thing that made the culture of the South different from the culture of the North was the fact that they owned slaves. That is through and through, pure and simple, the only difference. Slavery was a way for poor white Southerners to feel on par with their wealthy Northern counterparts and also to feel superior over the people that they owned. And when slavery was threatened, it meant that their place in the pecking order was threatened too. So it's actually less about honor and more about how the lack of slaves directly results in them losing their place in their social status. Even if you don't own slaves, the fact that somebody around you does own another person still makes you in that social setting above that person. This We see this happen all the time in our culture now too, is that people who didn't even own slaves still fought for secession because they felt better when slavery was in in order. Which we see today where people are voting against their own interests because they want to keep out, quote unquote, the Mexicans. Yeah. Right. It's it's this viewing of somebody as being below you or right. a lower social status, which means that you are somehow on par, which... It's one of those things where anytime I talk to people and they're like, but Trump is going to give us tax cuts. I'm like, not you. No. You're not rich. Like, you're not the, le- you don't even understand the level of rich that he is about to give tax cuts to. It's the same issue that I have when people argue against health care, where I'm just yes. like, why? Why are you voting against this, you psychopath? Exactly. So all the Celtic hypothesis actually did was allow people to claim that the Civil War wasn't over slavery. Instead, according to the professors, it was really a war between the British North and the Celtic South. It was actually a battle of honor between two warring cultures. This is stupid. It makes no sense. Exactly. It's the same argument of like, it was over states' rights. My, the states' rights to own 
slaves, yeah, man. Have you guys ever tried like a southern person with like a little bit of pepper jelly? <laughs> <laughs> it was over kilts, rights, laddie. Kilts, rights. I'm so sorry for that accent to anyone listening from here. No, that was a great groundskeeper, Willie. <laughs> And regardless of whether or not those two kooky crackers were right, which they weren't, their theory really resonated with Michael Hill. And I mean, dude, why wouldn't it? It takes a heritage that was born on Tobacco Road and turns it into one that was born out of Scottish kings. It makes everyone feel better to just be like, oh, yeah. I Honestly, you know what? I think that's why people do ancestry shit today. That's true. Yeah. I, I did go to the Scottish games this year. <laughs> well, we are not Scottish. <laughs> no, that's what I'm saying. It's like every time... Uh, every time my family, like my grandma started doing ancestry stuff yeah, yeah, and yeah. then one of my grandma's friends gave me this whole packet and she was like, your family came from pharaohs. And I was like, well, currently they just smoke weed. <laughs> so like, that's cool and all. That's cool that at one point I was real into cats and weird shapes and shit. But and, right and maybe had the head of a bird. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> But, yeah. but right now, it's not so much, dog. Armando. Yes. Do you know what birds love? What? Crackers. Follow the money. <laughs> Hallie Birdton. <laughs> this goes all the way to the top. And by that, I mean the skies because it's birds. Aren't you glad I'm not sick anymore? <laughs> I love it. I love everything about I love this, this gift you've given me. <laughs> <laughs> so you know how occasionally when you were a kid one of your mom's friends and i'm talking about the friend your mom's friend whose life was not going so hot yeah and mm -hmm. sometimes they would come over to stay on your couch for like a week and yep. like things were like not always great but then they discovered eat pray love and changed like literally everything about themselves and they were like i have all the answers now oh no that's not how that went in my house but i'll follow your analogy okay. sure yeah mine was like she got back into bible study and things are good now but go ahead <laughs> i thought you were gonna say she got really into past lives and found out she was all the pharaohs <laughs> but what about the birds <laughs> well that is exactly how michael reacted to cracker culture <laughs> which Ironically, if you think about it, I feel like the book that most racist, like the self-help book most racists would really be into is Michelle Kondo's love? book. Oh. oh. <laughs> Just hold up a different race. This doesn't spark joy. <laughs> no, no. no. Oh, it's mm. Marie Kondo. What did I say? Michelle. Oh, yeah. Marie Kondo. I mean, I, I also feel like racists would love Eat, Pray, Love because there's nothing white people love better than going to some other country and being like, I understand everything now. <laughs> <laughs> So Michael fully adopted his new heritage with pride. He grew out his beard, which was white, to copy the look of old Confederate officers. And to catch crumbs. <laughs> he wore a Confederate flag pin wherever he went. No. And he started exclusively wearing those cheap reflective sunglasses that you can buy at any liquor store. I think, you know the ones I'm talking about? The tactical yeah. alert. Yeah. <laughs> oh like, my God. Every single time I see somebody with those glasses, I'm like, okay, buddy, are you racist or really into fishing or both? Were you in desert storm or do you just yell expletives at the tv <laughs> <laughs> 
But in addition to his Turner Diaries style makeover, he also molded his life in the image of his mentors. Michael became a history professor focusing mainly on British history and the Celtic heritage he claimed to have come from. Now, here's the thing. Racist teachers exist. They're out there, and they have been for quite some time. But very rarely do racist teachers do what Michael Hill did. He started teaching at Stillman College, a historically black university in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Wow. That, okay. That's, that's like historically black. Like yeah. that's, that's wow. Yeah. As you might expect, Michael didn't really fit in on campus. Yeah. You can't step when you don't have rhythm. No. And He's like clapping on the downbeat. People are just like, God damn it, professor. <laughs> God damn it, you cracker. And he's like, hey. Hey. That's our word. When he wasn't teaching class wearing Confederate memorabilia. No. Oh. Fire his ass. What? How do you pass the interview? Or calling the Civil War the war between the states. I, I've heard that before. I've also heard the War of Northern Aggression, which makes my blood boil a bit. He was online talking mad shit about both his students and his coworkers. Boo. How did he get hired? He once called a new colleague an affirmative action hire and quoted him as saying, Yesterday, I couldn't spell secretary. Now, I is one. That absolutely did not happen. No. He also loved listing off his favorite black names from his predominantly black role sheet, asking, Where do these people get such names? Somehow forgetting that his mentor's names are fucking Professor <laughs> McWhiney. <laughs> And Dr. <laughs> McDonald. <laughs> but more than horrific taste in sunglasses and racist shit talking, the thing Michael loved most was telling anyone that would listen about how the Civil War had actually been a battle between two different European cultures that came from Highlander instead of Cletus. I would so much rather watch Highlander than his version <laughs> of the Civil War. And what's the best way for Southern whites to spread horrific dogma? That's right. Wine and cheese parties? He started a fraternity. Oh, oh no. no. They love wine and cheese parties. <laughs> I have never been to a frat house that didn't have crackers. Yeah, they've got to have at least 20 crackers to be a fraternity. Yeah. Using cracker culture as an unofficial foundational text, Michael founded the Southern League in 1994. I'm just picturing their letters are just four, three squares. There's <laughs> crackers. Hey guys, I was putting our sign up front. What's the Greek letter for dip? <laughs> uh, what's what chapter are you in? Cracker, cracker, cracker. Although, the fraternity would not be named the Southern League for very long. Michael had meant to intentionally rip off the name from the Italian anti-immigrant separatist political party, the Northern League, which is a political party in Italy. Okay. But he accidentally ripped off a baseball minor league called the Southern League. And so when the Baseball League threatened to sue the Racist League, uh, they pretty quickly changed their name to League of the South. Also, this is not a joke. The top team in the Southern League for 60 years were the Atlanta Crackers. 
that? Because I follow weird rabbit holes. It's not a bit. There was a team called the Atlanta Crackers, and the reason that they're famous is because they are the only team in the history of baseball to trade an announcer for a catcher for what? a player. Wait, what? wow! An announcer's not even a member of the team. <laughs> what are you talking they about? They traded a, an announcer for a baseball player. How, How do you that do happen? that? They traded him to the Brooklyn Dodgers. What is what is happening? Uh, yeah, I don't. It's it. It was one of the funniest, stupidest things. Yeah, it always blows my mind how, like, violently unwoke baseball is. Or sports in general. Like, we're still trying to get the racist depictions of Native Americans down from a lot of, like, yeah, banners. People, people still be kneeling during the national yeah. anthem. And, like, the sports is decisively unwoke. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another beautiful day in baseball. Today, we've got the Atlanta Crackers versus the Los Angeles Border Jumpers. Oh, oh running around the track. Is that our mascot? There he is. The anchor baby. Oh, God. <laughs> if you catch him, he can't stay for the whole game. Oh, God. <laughs> what the fuck? Now, if you're hungry there, take your kids out, give yourself a gallon of popcorn and a carton of cigarettes for the kids. No, that'd be so expensive in California. <laughs> now. Not free, in 1940. That's, that's <laughs> free carton of cigarette day. Every gallon of beer you drink comes with a free case of morphine. Oh, God, that sounds great. Anyway, I'm packing up and going to play for the Dodgers. Bye, folks. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever had morphine, but I can see why people get addicted to that shit. So, yeah, from the jump, the League of the South, the group of racists, not to be confused with the baseball league, the League of the South had some pretty clear cut ideas that their ancestors had lost the Civil War because they were, quote, too Celtic, uh, that calling the Civil War a war about slavery was wrong, and that the media portrayal of Southerners as hateful bigots was unjust and must be stopped said the group of hateful bigots. <laughs> <laughs> but these were just ideas and talking points because the original 40 members of the League of the South were, believe it or not, mostly academics, historians, professors, and at least four PhD holding doctors are the people that made up the original brotherhood. And just like the clan before them, the League was set up as a way for like-minded individuals to get together and talk about their shared belief. It just so happened that, also like the clan, their shared beliefs mainly focused around white supremacy. But still, it was just talking. That's all they were doing. But after one year, Michael was tired of just talking. In 1995, Michael returned to the University of Alabama and set up another branch of the League of the South right at his alma mater. And if the first branch was about discussion, this second branch was more about teaching. Michael Hill started teaching a small group of college students about the Celtic hypothesis, about how interracial marriage was an affront to God, and that America needed to resegregate all of their establishments. What year is this? 1995. Good Bitch, lord. Bitch, what? Yeah. Seriously? Lisa Bonet is on TV. How dare you? Yeah. The League of the South, the group, was founded in 1994. This is one year later in 1995. So he teaches this to them, and within months, his new young whippersnappers, or whippercrackers, if you will, I will, were acting on his behalf. 
the University of Alabama's branch of the League of the South started to verbally attack gay students, call for the university to resegregate, and the league's chapter president even wrote to the student newspaper claiming that, quote, blacks did not invent anything of note anywhere in the world. Peanut butter, how dare you? These people are not wheat thins. <laughs> no. They and do not deserve the moniker of cracker because crackers are delicious and these people <laughs> are trash. Even more, crackers are willing to work together with others to make the flavor better. Crackers and peanut butter go great together and these people are ruining it. <laughs> <laughs> Just as a side note, and I'm almost certain I do not have to say this, but that statement that black people have not invented anything of note anywhere in the world is super untrue. In America alone, just America, black inventors and scientists are responsible for so many amazing things, including the almanac, blood plasma bags, the elevator, fire extinguishers, gas masks, the guitar, ice cream, Imaging X-ray, the lawnmower, the mailbox, mops, peanut butter, potato chips, traffic lights, and many other life-changing things. I would, These are just some of those things. Including how to get a man into space. Yeah, yeah that's true. I would. Th these, by the way, are only inventions that a black person was directly the only one in. There was also like computers, the yeah. monitors, touchscreen phones, uh, car phones for some reason i would highly recommend if you are anywhere near washington dc go to the museum of african-american culture and history mm -hmm. uh, it's one of the new smithsonian's and they have an entire floor of basically just black achievement and so half of it is like scientific and inventing achievements and then the other half is like sports politics activism Great museum. You will spend an entire day there. But oh, yeah. And there are enough notable black inventions to encompass an entire floor of a museum. And definitely and more. And that's barely scratching the surface. Exactly. All of those things that I mentioned are people or things that you can point to one person for. Right. And just Americans. And that's not even the whole list. There's yeah. so much more. So pretty soon after the whippercrackers started shaking things up, which is what I'm calling the youth, uh, the League of the South membership boomed, reaching a membership of 4,000 by 1996. Boo! And some of these new members included well-known racists who were excited to finally make some change happen. People like Jack Kershaw, a lifelong segregationist who was once an official in the Anti-Integration White Citizens Council of the 50s. That's way too many words for a name. Who yeah, once what? said, and I quote, someone needs to say a good word for slavery. Where in the world are the Negroes better off than today in America? Everywhere. What? Oh my God, everywhere. <laughs> and because somehow it gets worse. He is the same person who was the attorney that defended the man who killed Martin Luther King Jr. Jesus. Lord. You mean he was the attorney who defended the CIA? Cha -cha -cha. Follow the money. That, that's his, actually a real conspiracy theory. I look into his, it. honestly his, very strongly believe that. Yeah. It is. But you, I mean, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make it shoot a black icon. Uh because <laughs> of the hooves. Because <laughs> of the hooves, obviously. It's really hard. 
his defense, by the way, in the Martin Luther King Jr. assassinator trial was that he had been a cog in a giant conspiracy run by a man named Raul and provided no other information. I mean, other than the name Raul. Here's what's here. I, I don't believe the Raul part. Maybe part of a conspiracy, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. The CIA was actively trying to infiltrate the Black Panthers and take them down from the inside, so I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. I'm 90% sure in a civil court they found the CIA personally responsible in the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. I'm almost 99% sure. I mean, that seems too good to be true, but, you know. So pretty much, he's just one of the most evil people you could ever imagine associating with. Ever. Yeah. He's just a horrible person. And dudes like Jack Kershaw helped Michael turn his group into a force for change. Which sounds like a good sentence, but it's actually pretty fucking terrible. Yeah, any any people who believe things like this that are then becoming a force for anything is terrible. Yeah. In 1996, the League of the South organized the successful Dump Beasley campaign, which, of course, is uh, was in response to the on-again, off-again relationship between Jim Halpert and Pam Beasley. They really wanted it to just cut it out. I mean, there are really no good Beasleys. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Pam's pretty cool, but the whole thing goes downhill after season five. Oh, of course. No, uh, they, they organized a successful Dump Beasley campaign. So what happened was when South Carolina's Republican governor, David Beasley, supported the removal of the Confederate battle flag from the state's capital, the league rallied against him and uh, basically won. They made sure that he didn't get reelected, which... They take all of the credit for it. If you do a little a little amount of digging, you'll find out that there were several other factors. Like, majority, the biggest factor was the fact that he was against video poker. And so the video poker companies put out, like, millions of dollars of ads against him and his campaign. And then he had also, he was also against voting for free daycare for children of working parents. So such a weird collection of beliefs. Yeah, it was basically like everyone from all angles hated him. Like all of South Carolina was basically like, you're trying to fuck up my weekend. I was going to go and think about the Confederacy while I played video poker while my child was being watched, watched for, for free. free. <laughs> you son of a bitch. Sounds like their force is bad. Is Kershaw actually Emperor Palpatine? <laughs> He kind of sounds like it. He's more like, God, he's Watch more like this fully operational <laughs> stars and bars. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never play video poker again. <laughs> anyway, emboldened by his newfound power of influence, Michael started bringing the League of the South to any racially charged event that he could find including the funeral of Michael Westerman, a white man who was murdered by two young black men, ostensibly for flying the Confederate flag on his truck. Um, if that sentence was confusing, a guy flew a Confederate flag, uh, two black children, essentially, because I don't think they were even of 18 yet, uh, got really mad and killed him. I mean, that's bad. Murder is bad. Murder, Murder is, is bad. bad. Also... Don't fly your Confederate flags. Not to victim blame. I'm just saying, yeah. 
murder is bad. Everyone in the story is stupid for different reasons. Yes, there we go. More than all of them was this. At the funeral, Michael Hill made a speech declaring open season on anyone who dared to question the illicit rights bestowed upon a compliant and deadly underclass that now fulfills a role similar to that of Hitler's brown-shirted thugs in the 1930s. I'm sorry, did he just compare black people to Nazis? He did. And he said that if uh, black people didn't want to stay in line, it was okay to kill them. Ooh. This is confusing propaganda. Yeah. It really is because you're trying to target the stupidest people, but you're using the biggest words. That's Yeah, that's a lot of words. Your mentors had it down. They called it cracker culture. White person sees that and they go, hey, that's me and that's the thing I do. And then they buy it. I like cheese and charcuterie. I'm with this culture. I don't know if these books about me or about food, but I'm about to buy it. Get a, get a block of cheese, just to be sure. <laughs> so, to recap, black people are Nazis, mm-hmm. and if they get out of line, we can kill them. That's a horrifying sentence. Yeah, it's a pretty upsetting sentiment. Thankfully, Michael learned what most racists are learning now. If you're going to be a hateful piece of shit, you're probably not going to be an employed piece of shit. <laughs> Michael was forced to resign from his position at Stillman College in 1998 after the school's administration called him an embarrassment. Well, yeah. Although, unfortunately, Michael took this as a sign that it was time to get serious about making some change. And so Michael realized what his true mission should be. Why fight for the right to enjoy nostalgia when you can fight for what that nostalgia stands for? So the League of the South announced that its new intention was to join the southern states together and secede again. No more flavors in our (laughs) potato salad. (laughs) No more rhythm at our dances. (laughs) SPF 30 at a minimum. You know what? If there's any conspiracy, I'd believe it's that chemtrails are just sunscreen and they're trying to keep you all from dying. (laughs) You know what? If they started subsidizing sunscreen, I wouldn't be mad. (laughs) So the League of the South steadily grew more powerful as it entered the 2000s. And by the end of 1998, the group was boasting around 15,000 members. And with a boost in membership came a huge increase in influence. By the year 2000, the League of the South found themselves in the leadership position at multiple Southern cultural independence protests all around the South. Again, these are just big fancy words. What he's saying is... uh, We get to go to parades. (laughs) Well, the Southern cultural independence movement is fancy words for, hey, let's run away again. What are they going to do? Catch us? What secession didn't work out so great the first time? Why also, did it work out better the second time? Fucking let them secede. Let them do it. Let I, us keep all the avocados. This is. I know this is going to be a little bit controversial. Let the South secede. Here are the benefits. One, that takes off a bunch of those red states, so we're never going to have another Donald Trump. Two, that takes off a bunch of those red states, so that's never going to result in another fucking not letting gays get married type situation. Uh, three, no more presidents from Texas. Um, Texas can't, parts of Texas can be blue. Here's parts the of thing. Texas are blue. 
But they should move to California. That's not how life and land Fuck works. Fuck you, Austin. Fuck you, Austin, Texas. And Dallas can occasionally be blue as well. Sometimes Houston also. Okay, here's my deal. Here's my here's my deal. In the dead of night, in the dead of night, we ship the cities of Austin, Dallas, New Orleans, and half of Nashville. We sh- Atlanta. We ship them. Atlantis now, baby. We ship them crates of chainsaws and they cut off their pieces of the land this makes no sense and then on succession day we swoop in with helicopters bam suction cups down lift them up and we take them and they chill over with hawaii here's the thing suction cups that's your problem with the statement (laughs) that i just made that's the issue that we're having no one even batted an like, eye at yeah, the... Yeah, 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 yeah. Chainsaw down into the earth's crust. But suction cups? Here's how I know what I said was some crazy shit. Because no one even questioned the logistics of shipping that many chainsaws in the dead of night is what I said. <laughs> that was the first thing I said. And no one even batted an eye. We were like, of course it would have to be the dead of night mm-hmm. so they wouldn't get caught. Of Here's course. the thing. In Armando's mind, it is worth uprooting and completely destroying and refabricating several cities to avoid 15,000 racists. Oh my God. Okay. Are we going to lose a couple of plumbing things? Sure. I don't understand how plumbing works. Are are we going to fuck up some chainsaws? Okay. Yeah. You bet your ass we're going to fuck up some chainsaws. We're going to fuck up some chainsaws. Hey. But if you're telling me that I never have to deal with another fucking George Bush in the White House, then yeah, I'm good. Here's what I'm going to say to you. We all, all of us, Everyone in America and all over the world live under the same dome. <laughs> and you damn well better start acting like it. You know what? You got me all emotional and shit, dog. Thank Jesus for the dome. Thank Jesus for America. Also, uh, all of us under this one dome know somebody who owns a chainsaw. I'm just saying. Just saying. I, if you I want, own a chainsaw. If you want your city to be included, fucking hit us up. Cult what Podcast. What is that chainsaw for? You live in an apartment. <laughs> Getting back to it. Heading into the actual 2000s were a different story. Michael Hill was starting to realize that he may have misguessed what made people want to join the League of the South. By this point, most of the influential first 40 members were leaving his group. This included both McWhiney and McDonald, Michael's mentors, who then publicly came out against both him and the racist group that he had created. Real McWhiner over here. <laughs> I, I have this entire time also been picturing Dr. McDonald as Michael McDonald from the Doobie Brothers. <laughs> I know that's not important. I've been pre- I've been picturing uh, Professor McWhiney as uh, the sad droopy dog. <laughs> oh, well, I oh. think we'll just be going now. See, I'm I'm picturing. I guess I'll never get back from Ireland. <laughs> and the next one's just like he gave us all well seceding <laughs> southern states. We're gonna leave the union and be our own thing. Everybody, uh, get your chainsaws. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it <laughs> it wasn't just who was leaving that made former members weary it was also who michael hill decided to let stay thousands of members left the league of the south after a report came out about one of their members named michael tubbs tubbs is his name oh, i was gonna say is that with two b's yeah tubbs like taft yeah. Got stuck in a tub in a double B. 
he was a leader of the Florida branch of the League of the South. And just like most Florida men, turns out Michael Tubbs was actually a felon. Like a fucking <laughs> pretty bad felon. Was he cooking meth in his... Tubbs. <laughs> it was... It's so much worse that it's like, how are you how are you this bad of a human? So here's this is a crime that I think every single person, no matter what you believe and whether or not you're racist, would hear this crime and go, yeah, you're a bad person. So while Michael Tubbs, uh, Mr. Tubbs to his friends. <laughs> Sounds uh, like a cat's name. <laughs> Mr. Tubbs. Mr. Tubbs. Mr. Tubbs. They're coming for your nightmares, Tubbs. <laughs> so while serving in the military, Mr. Tubbs <laughs> had robbed fellow soldiers at gunpoint multiple times and then told everyone it was in the name of the Ku Klux Klan and when police arrested Mr. Tubbs, they found several weapons and explosives, as well as tar- a list of targets of people who worked for media outlets and other businesses. No, Mr. Tubbs. <laughs> <laughs> but this is this is what I mean. Where even like the most hardened racist would hear this story and be like, "You telling me he's robbing our military? No, thank you." That money's supposed to support the troops. <laughs> what, dare I'm, you. what I'm really confused about is how he did it multiple times. I am also confused. Like, you have a dog tag. We can see your face, bro. Like, come well, on, Mr. I, Tubbs. You can't. Also, they all have guns. Yeah. Mr. Tubbs. You That's have your own curious. guns. <laughs> Mr. Tubbs. Hi, Mr. Tubbs. So instead of taking the obvious choice, which would be kicking Tubbs out, (laughs) Michael Hill declared that Mr. Tubbs had paid his debt to society and that he would retain full membership no matter what the outcome of his trial was. If Mr. Tubbs is not a character in Cats when I see it (laughs) the day after tomorrow, because as soon as I get home, my sister and I are getting dressed up as dogs and going to see Cats. Oh my God. (laughs) It's been a plan in the making for some time. Oh, my God. Do you have the outfit already? I'm having them shipped to, like, ahead of us as we travel. Uh, They're shipping with the chainsaws, yeah, of course. Yeah, but it should be, like, Rum Tongue Tugger, Mr. Misophiles, and Mr. Tubbs. Don't forget Mr. Whiny. Don't forget Droopy Dick. Droopy Dog. Hand me Michael McDonald singing here. <laughs> Uh, Separate the races Cause you are so dirty And I hate you because I am an asshole Dude what's even worse is his first name Is fucking Forrest He was named after the guy from the Ku Klux Klan And even even he was like These people are too racist for me (laughs) Anyway And if that was not bad enough Even more members left In September of 2001 because after the 9-11 terrorist attacks Michael Hill on the record claimed that America deserved to be attacked because of its commitment to equality and multiculturalism (laughs) which even the most hardened racist was like bitch what? (laughs) That's fucked up though. Everyone hated that. 
Around 2010, uh, Michael Hill and his small remaining league members started merging with various Christian identity groups around the South. Oh, no. If you need a refresher, the Christian identity movement is a belief formed around the idea that the lost tribes of Israel actually fled to what would become Europe, making the true chosen people white Europeans and not Jews because they believe that Jews are actually a race of demons that are in league with the devil. It Mr. is Thompson. Mr. Tubbs. <laughs> it is an absolutely batshit crazy leap of faith jump but what do you expect from a guy who thinks that his grandpa was highlander you can't <laughs> there can be only one race <laughs> highlander oh my god from a conspiracy standpoint it makes perfect sense no it doesn't it makes perfect sense that this that michael hill would buy into this yes. weird specific brand of bullshit but, whereas Michael's original argument came from quantifiable research, very shitty research, I will add, but research nonetheless, his new claims came from the standpoint that racism was a direct order from God. Good lord. Michael started preaching to his members that whites are born with a God-ordained superiority. Whites of honor, genius, and principle left the League of the South with a glorious heritage while black people had never created anything approximating a civilization. That is another direct quote from Michael Hill and not my own thoughts. Please don't isolate that clip. Good Lord. The, he needs he needs history. Like, you know, how some people He's are, a history professor. And he's fucking he's bad at idiot. it. He and has a PhD in history. From where? The dumpster? From the <laughs> University of Alabama, baby. Well, oh, there, it's not There good. you go, apparently. It's so upsetting. It's so upsetting the stupid shit he believes. <sighs> he also taught them that slavery was successfully defended from a biblical standpoint until the quote-unquote institution's legitimacy was systematically undermined in the name of equality and misappropriated Christian ethics. He's basically saying that, nah, you misunderstood the Bible. Jesus wasn't all about that kindness and doing good for other shit. He was about owning people. Well, <clears throat> and delicious accompaniments to charcuterie. <laughs> uh, in the Old Testament, there are sections delineating the legal owning of slaves within that time period mm -hmm. it's not good you shouldn't own other people and i think that's in large part why parts of the new testament are like hey don't do that but there are also parts of the new testament addressing slavery as well because at the time slavery was widespread in the you know societies that they lived in that doesn't mean it still needs to be that's, there's no reason that because historically slaves existed within this historical book, we could keep it happening. They're people. So, Paige, really quick, just a sure, quick question. For sure. Are you saying that God is not on these people's side? Yeah, I'm saying that God's not hmm. on your side, and that's what love your neighbor as yourself means. Hmm. Andrea, did you ever take communion by any chance? I did. You did. Now, I want to ask you. As a representation of the body of Christ, what do they give you? A communion wafer? 
And what is a wafer? But a cracker. Jesus was a cracker. Lay it to rest. (laughs) So getting back to it, around 2010, the League of the South became fully partnered with the growing Patriot Movement, which is the exact same movement that later supported Amon and Cliven Bundy's takeover of the Malheur National Wildlife Refuge. And at a meeting in January of 2011, Michael Hill formally accused the federal government of being, quote, an organized crime enterprise led by domestic terrorists. Uh, According to Michael, the only law he answered to came in the form of the motherfucking county sheriff, baby. He's a sovereign citizen now. He also warned his members at a meeting in March of 2011 to stock up on AK-47s, hollow point rounds, and tools to derail trains. Good lord. Why? Uh, Well, what would it take to get you to fight? He asks a small crowd in front of him. The mantra that violence never settles anything is patently false. History shows us that it does indeed settle many things. And this might not be the time to bring it up, but technically he's right. Like, for example, in the 1800s, when the southern states seceded, America fucking violently slapped those southern pieces of shit back into place. So violence did solve this problem once already. (laughs) Just saying. At the League of the South's 2014 National Conference, which is just a big term for let's go hang out at Mikey's house. I was going to say, let's rent out the local Applebee's. Exactly. Michael Hill announced the formation of an armed paramilitary unit that he called the Indomitables. He told his members that the Indomitables would be in charge of advancing a second Southern secession by any means necessary. Also building angry snowmen. (laughs) (laughs) The whitest beings. <laughs> Do you want to build a snowman? It has to be a snowman. <laughs> Will he only be pure white? <laughs> but the primary targets wouldn't be enemy soldiers, he told them. Instead, they would be political leaders, members of the media, cultural icons, and bureaucrats, which is a, a very fucking anticlimactic way to end that that list there buddy people who fill out paperwork it's gonna be presidents fucking journalists your favorite singers and also the employees at the dmv (laughs) but they fill these out on pure white paper (laughs) he closed his carbon copies are the devil He closed his speech by quoting Psalms, saying, Blessed be the Lord, my strength, who teaches my hands to war and my fingers to fight. I don't know if you've... Have you ever fought anyone with a finger? I guess the closest I've ever... I guess the closest (laughs) anyone's ever come to fighting with a finger is blasting. Ba-ba-boom! That's a gross one! Hey, welcome to this new fun part of Cult Podcast called Armando Feels Bad. Oh, oh, sorry. My chair started to fly (laughs) and I had to keep it on the ground. So, I know that all of this sounds like the ramping up of a group of racist terrorists. And this is normally the part of the episode where I reveal the thing that they did that you've all definitely heard of. 
But that just is not the case when it comes to the League of the South. In reality, the League followed in the footsteps of its predecessors. Just like every iteration of the clan that had come before them, people just lost interest. And eventually, those who actually want to execute a nefarious plot to change America decided that evil plans work best when you do not announce them to the world. (laughs) Suck it. Dude, literally even a fucking child's movie, The Incredibles, had the bit where it was like, don't monologue, <laughs> you evil dumb fuck. Is he like holding America over a pit of laser sharks? <laughs> just like, and then we will hit the bureaucrats. <laughs> Michael Hill and his group of salty ass crackers were half of what we in the white supremacy research club call the optics debate. Um, I don't know if you guys heard about the optics debate. It is very stupid, but also hearing about it in the now is very upsetting. Essentially, between 2015 to 2018, the question being asked among different hate groups was whether it was better to have an openly violent nationalist rhetoric or to use coded language to infiltrate the Republican Party. Or to shoot a laser up the (laughs) middle of a table at America's dick while we told them our plan. Like, no, America, I expect you to die. Mr. Tubbs, no, it's not a mouse. (laughs) Mr. Tubbs. (laughs) What's upsetting me so much is that laser sharks are a much more efficient plan than chainsaws. I've been beat out by our own bits. That's true. Laser sharks don't need gasoline. No, and they ship so much easier. You just swim them there. Can laser sharks melt steel beams? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Follow the money, Hallie Birdton. Hallie Birdton. (laughs) Michael put all of his money on being openly hateful, and he, along with other similar groups, bet wrong. Droves of followers left to join the much more successful alt-right. And now Michael Hall is just a sad little cracker who lives in Alabama, desperately trying to figure out how to get more people to join his stupid dying club. What started as a group of activists that boasted 15,000 members is now just a group of lonely white people with one building in Wetampaka, Alabama. Which, by the way, their place of business has a Facebook page that is currently being plagued by online bullying (laughs) from (laughs) non-racists. Where a bunch of members of the, the the League of the South are posting photos at their headquarters and people are just like, hey, you, fuck you. And then you just got a bunch of old white racists who are, and this is not a bit, who are commenting in response, please stop bullying us. What have we done to deserve this? Good night. They don't understand. They're so stupid. We're just openly racist and we gambled on the wrong thing compulsively because of pride. We just want to buy stock in Ritz and wear (laughs) our kilts. Leave us be. (laughs) It's a sad sentence when you're like, when you have to look at your life and be like, man, we were racist wrong. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's all wrong. Yeah. (sighs) 
this sad, stupid ending has led to one of the funniest and also actually real headlines that I have seen in a very long time. The Southern Poverty Law Center posted an article about the league last month that was titled League of the South Resorts to Video Stunts as Membership Declines. Like cool stuff. Like, can they do flips or anything, or is it mostly just bullshit? It's almost entirely bullshit. Michael Hill, desperate to get fresh blood in his league, started doing what he calls "quote unquote" stealth activism. Basically, it's just the most racist version of a flash mob where you you go everyone goes somewhere where something happened that was significant to equality or. civil rights and then they just do some racist shit and get a video of it most recently they showed up at the memorial site for emmett till no yeah uh, a young black boy who was murdered after supposedly offending a white woman uh and they met at this memorial site where they planned to make a speech what they did not know is that the memorial is uh outfitted with an alarm system to deter vandals So the result wasn't propaganda like they were hoping for. Instead, it's a 25-second video of a bunch of old white fuckheads trying to figure out how to work the camera on one of their smartphones, tripping the alarm, and then piling into three or four pickup trucks and running away as fast as possible. See, this is why they had to move the coffin. So (laughs) Emmett Till's coffin is at the uh, National Museum for Mm African-American History and Culture. And it has a round-the-clock guard. Yeah. Like, let let him lie. Like, I, it boils my blood to think that people are still disrespecting his burial. They site. are. The worst part is that... He okay. was innocent? Yes. And that bitch recanted, like... People died. A child died. Yeah. So to end our episode on Michael Hill and the League of the South, I would like to propose a compromise. I'm extending an olive branch, if you will. Well, it has to be a white branch. If you want a real stunt on video, you gotta come to your boy. So this Sunday, I will be pulling the (laughs) ultimate stunt live at the League of the South headquarters in Alabama. First, I will be climbing a 25-foot ladder. (laughs) Then, I will be jumping onto the hood of my grandpa's old van. (laughs) Over 30 assorted crackers, 15 people, 15 writs, and... (laughs) That's the assortment? Yeah. (laughs) And the whole thing sponsored by Monster Energy. (laughs) Do they know yet? No, it's sponsored by We're Monsters Energy. <laughs> well, you No, it needs to be sponsored by White Claw. Oh, oh my God. No, that's way too extreme for White Claw. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of our episode on the League of the South. And fuck white people. <laughs> it, is, it is really funny to me to watch somebody have to look at their life and say the phrase, boy, we were racist wrong. That thought process of just like looking at everything you've done and your only regret is like, mm, we should have been more secret about how we hate people. Ugh. Oh my God. It's just all so confusing. <laughs> it's, it's confusing and frustrating. Those 
no spice having <laughs> downbeat clapping monsters. What I do want to see though is I do want to see them wearing kilts and like trying to do the uh the Dukes of Hazard slide across their car. <laughs> we gotta get out of Dodge. <laughs> my my feeling is if they are going to wear kilts, then they have to reenact shot for shot that scene from Bloodsport. I don't know this scene. Okay, first of all, Bloodsport is a classic. Highly recommend. Uh, in Bloodsport, Jean-Claude Van Damme has to fight fighters from every different country all over the world to win <gasps> the legendary Kumite tournament. And he's fighting a, a fighter in the kilt. Or actually, his the evil guy is fighting a guy in the kilt. And he just like punches <laughs> up into the kilt. <laughs> And just like kooks this dude in the nards. It's great. All right. Well, uh, this episode, just like every other episode, is brought to you by Monster Energy Drinks, helping Armando Torres jump off of ladders since the age of, I think, 13. I was 13. way, t- I was way, way too, too old. old. I was way too old to believe in any of that. It's so <laughs> too big. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my god. This is a step ladder. What are you doing? You <laughs> this, could have jumped over your grandmother. I still can. I think I honestly, I swear to God, I think I could with a running start, normal like ground height right now, still in this shape, which is not good. I think I could jump over my own grandmother. My Mexican grandmother. She's only like four feet tall, right? Yeah, she yeah. is. She's, She's so, so small. tiny. It's yeah. so cute. You could like kick flip over your grandmother. Oh yeah. Dude, I could kick flip my grandma i could just use her like a skateboard and kick flip stay still abuela <laughs> this episode is brought to you by abuela skateboards um <laughs> and our patreon we've got a patreon you can go to patreon.com slash cult podcast for just five dollars a month you get access to our speculation zone bonus show and there's a bunch of other really cool tiers that you should definitely check out too uh, and one of the things you get is a shout out on the show. So uh, this this first one goes out to Dr. Gogo, first of her name, both a Gogo dancer and a Harvard PhD, support sex workers' rights and decolonize the academy, you schmucks. It's a single name like the really long tutor ones, obvs. <laughs> I love it so much. Decolonizing the academy is very important. What's decolonizing the academy? The Academy of Motion Picture Films and Sciences is largely white voters and that's why black made films or black starring films don't get voted in as often. Who gets to decide who's on the thing? The Academy. No, but who gets to decide who's in the Academy? People who win the Academy, right? I mean, it's once you win, you get to be a part of it and then they send out invites. So now like they're starting to be more, more Academy members of color but it's still predominantly white. That's some bullshit. Also, they don't recognize horror as an awardable genre most of the time, and that is some bullshit because horror is groundbreaking. It is really upsetting. I... I remember one of the angriest things, one of the angriest, I don't go on Twitter rants. I don't really get upset about anything enough to share my opinion. When Tony Colletti did not even get a fucking nomination for Hereditary, I lost my goddamn mind. He was mad for several days. For so, for like weeks, (laughs) I was mad. You got into an almost actual fight with someone over it. Yeah, at Panic Fest, where I was like, yeah, Tony Colletti got robbed, and they were like, oh, you really like Hereditary, 
went, you son of a bitch. I fucking got you. And we were like, okay, we've been here five minutes. I'll ship a chainsaw here in the dead of night and I'll segregate you from your body, you piece of shit. Anyway, so patreon.com <laughs> slash cult podcast. <laughs> you can get. What are these plugs? You can just buy a chainsaw. Okay. <laughs> Oh. Uh so my Patreon person is just Heather Smith. She's not trying to fight anyone. There's no <laughs> chainsaws necessary. It's She's fucking just pretty boring, I guess. Heather, we appreciate you and your simplicity. I appreciate your honesty. She's not hiding behind a fake ass name. She's real. She is exactly who she is. She is Heather Smith, the one and only. Hey, so this one goes out to Heather Chainsaw right in the fucking throat, Smith. That's not her name. That's not. She She is Heather Smith. That's not her name. <laughs> <laughs> this one goes out to Heather uh, Kill Em All, Leave No Survivors, Smith. This he- one goes out to Heather Hitler Smith. No, no, you can't do that. <laughs> Too far. No. Too far. Absolutely cut that this out. This one goes out to Heather Poopy no, Smith. No, get out. What's the rules you're, here? You're cutting Stop the it. last two of these at least. Heather, I hardly know her. Let's move on. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, this next one goes out to Under the Sea Fabrics. Ooh. Under the sea. Do under do the do sea. Do. Plaids are so bright here. When you are white here. No. <laughs> no. You just said that about a, a tartan fucking Confederate flag. I'm, I'm so sorry. No, I'm, I'm sure that they are fantastic fabrics. I will definitely now have to check them out because <laughs> I have a fabric problem. This one goes out to Heather... Fuck the President Smith. Uh, okay, I'm I'm cool that with that. And she can't, she wrote that name in 2008. No, <laughs> I don't like it. I will oh say, my God. quick aside plug. Uh, if you also enjoy fabrics and quilting and crafts, you should join our new Facebook group called Cult Podcraft. That's right. Oh. So if you if you just want to talk about cults, cheese, and crackers, that's Cult Podcast on Facebook. But then you could also join the one that's Colts, Cheese, Crackers, and also Crafty Things, which is Colt Podcraft. <laughs> it's right now, it's really great because uh, if you do crafts and your pets are present, please take photos of that because nothing is funnier than watching confused animals watch you make things. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Dennis oh. is very mad at my sewing machine. Uh, it's adorable. And I know this is kind of a weird plug, but if you guys are uh, into joining a new paramilitary group, we've got one at Heather Colt Podcast Smith. Uh, you can find that Facebook group that we're starting <laughs> Too far. She just, the best part is she just told me to use her name. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Oh my, my gosh. My sister missed her shout out and then sent a different name. Ah, well, what are you going to do? This one goes out to Heather Aaron Smith. <laughs> there How you many go. People is your sister? Uh, only one like that, you that know I of. know of. Secret identity. Follow the money. This Hall- one goes Hallie out to Burton? This one goes out to uh, Heather Burton Smith. <laughs> Here's the thing. If you are a new user, and you have not joined Patreon yet, but you've been thinking about it. You want to save your $5 a month, but now you're ready after these, this Christmas struggle. Please join Patreon 
give us your name as Hallie Burton. <laughs> That's all I want. Please do it. Thank you so much. I love you. Also, shouts out to the people that made Christmas crafts and oh, included yeah. Hallie Burton in it. It's so love good. It's so funny. Uh, hey, if you want to send me a couple more names for Heather Smith, uh, you can do so. Send it over to at Mondo Does Stuff or at Mondo Does Stuff. I guess they're both the same on Twitter or Instagram. Um, if you're looking for show dates, you can also go to mondodustuff.com or you can go to heathersmith.com. I have my show dates posted there too. Uh, yeah. Um, cool. This one goes out to Heather Smith. Forever. Uh, if you want to send me fabric to build my fabric stash until it becomes sentient and devours us all, <laughs> you can hit me up at Paige Wesley on Twitter, at Rampage Wesley on Instagram. This one goes out to Heather Stitch. Yay! Hey, yeah. figured it out. Brought I it back around. It. You can't call women stitches. We can only do that. <laughs> uh, if you want to send me the least racist thing you made out of tartan fabric... <laughs> Or photos of you crafting near your pet. Please send them to me on all the things at Andrea Gazetta. Actually, not all the things. Just my Instagram. But that's all I'm using right now. Fuck Twitter. But yeah. There you go. Check out my art at Andrea Gazetta on Instagram. I also have cool things. Have you ever made a racist art piece? If you don't want to admit it, you can just plead the Heather Fifth. Hey, oh, oh hey, no. I'm back. I was like, where could you possibly be going with this? <laughs> I mean, I painted my family, but I don't think it counts. <laughs> we just look white. There's no like a hate involved. I made that accidental swastika quilt that one time. Oh, oh yeah. I forgot about that. I remember that. Not looked, recently. Would it look so much better as a tartan uh, quilt? Anyway, if you like our show, you can follow us at uh, Colt Podcast on Instagram. Or at Colt Podcast Show on Twitter. You can also uh, send us an email to coltpodcastshow at gmail.com. Or if you want to send us actual stuff, please don't send us any racist stuff. <laughs> no, you can't. Somebody sent me a Nazi coin and it's my prized possession. You can send me racist stuff. I'll accept it. I, I They had an option on this guy on these uh, the League of the South website to join. Uh, I might join. I might join the League of Send the South. Send them the dick pics that we saved for the clan. Yes. Um, I, as a white, cannot accept any of those things. <laughs> um, so, but if you want to send us, people sent us Christmas cards. That was oh, very, that was very so fun. Sweet. Oh, where are they? I can't wait to see them. They are in my car, unfortunately, but That's I chill. will gladly give them to you. Uh, but whatever, whatever you feel like sending, we love getting mail, even if it's just letters and fun stuff. Mm-hmm. You can send that to 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237. Like, like the Shining. Shining. Los Angeles, California, 90065. Yeah. And quick shout out to everyone in our Facebook group who's either sending Christmas cards to each other or part of our gift exchange. This mm-hmm. has been really fun, and I love seeing what you guys come up with. Very, very fun. It's super cute. Mm-hmm. And I think I'm going to say, don't drink anything a white person hands you. <laughs> oh, no. And don't drink the Kool-Aid, which is probably being handed to you by a white person. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Yeah. Hey, Paige, you got to go? Because I got a Heather split. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>